They're hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. WHUPLP Hillsboro, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts, MMA, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and Muay Thai in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and I'm wishing you all the most joyous of New Year's. He is Trevor Hayes. How are you doing today, Trevor? Peachy. He's both peachy and keen, and we have a special top secret surprise. Joining us in the studio is uh, the third wheel, the uh, the the Shaggy to our Scooby Doo and Fred. I'm no longer the third wheel. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're, you're like the second and a half wheel. I, don't I mean, know. all my friends are married and popping out kids, so I am like the third wheel. But to us, I'm no so one. Chris is kind of like our kid. Yeah, Trevor, do you well, want to? So today in the studio we maybe. have. Yeah, I mean, like it depends on whether we want to claim it. We'll decide after the show. Yeah. Um, so in the studio with us today for the first time uh, is, or talking for the first time, is going to be intern Chris. Trevor, do you want to introduce intern Chris? Yeah, this is, uh, he's someone that's become a good friend of me, uh, little Chris. I call him little Chris because he's a wee lad at 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Several nicknames. Several nicknames. He gets all kinds of stuff thrown at him at the gym, poor kid. Uh, but little no, brother he's, of the gym. Well, the little brother yeah. of the gym, yeah. Um, and no, he's just a... Uh, He's a good kid. It turns out I used to party with his older brother. Uh, <laughs> I partied at his house one time, like after college, I think, and I didn't even know. And um, then he came in one day and started doing Muay Thai, and now he's found himself to be the intern of our show. So Chris has been doing Muay Thai for about five months now and has limited experience with grappling. So one of the reasons we wanted to bring Chris in is this is our year-end show, and we're going to be recapping some awesome events in the Carolinas and beyond. We have some data nerdery that we're going to get into, uh, and we want to have different perspectives on the show. And so you have me, a tiny vegan obsessed with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and other grappling arts loves the gi you have Trevor who is a Tyrannosaurus Rex disguised as a kickboxer loves the face punching the body kicking the the, the shot in the liver as yes. Bassrutten would say and we have intern Chris who's a bit new to the game but will have a different perspective on some of this stuff so I think I think it'll be interesting um, before we get into that stuff we're gonna summarize uh, we're, we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM in Hillsborough North Carolina streaming live at whoopfm.org we're gonna talk uh, the show has three segments today our year-end show and our first segment we're gonna talk about some data from 2015 because if there's one thing everyone wants from a martial arts radio show it's spreadsheets if there's two things it's spreadsheets and rigorous data analysis. So, all joking. You know, my spirit animal is ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> so, not so much me on that part, but I, I dig it. Yeah, uh, you know, my spirit animal is either Lewis or Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, so, yeah, I might be, it. I may be getting a swirly <laughs> later. <laughs> and, um, and Chris over here is like, some nerds fought each other. Yeah, what Chris happened? is like, what's Revenge of the Nerds? <laughs> um, so, anyway, if we miss, so there are going to be three segments in the show today, uh, depending on how long the first segment goes. We're going to talk about. I, over the weekend, I spent my Christmas break doing what everyone does over Christmas, which is analyzing U.S. grappling matches. Now, U.S. grappling is one of the top tournament organizations. They run a lot of amazing tournaments. So I analyzed more than 2,000 matches from uh, their tournaments, their points tournaments in 2015. I figured out what the top submissions are. I broke it down by every division. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. Some of the results won't surprise you. Some of the results will surprise you. Please discuss it with us if you want. And if we missed anything, let us know. You can get at us on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWHUP. You can shout us out using the CagesideWHUP hashtag. On Twitter, I'm using the USG Facts hashtag today to post a bunch of the different stats. A lot of those uh, stats will come out during the show if you want to follow us on Twitter. You can also get at us on email, cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. So, uh, w so before we get into it, 
Um, first of all, I want to announce one bit of news, which is U.S. Grappling, uh, their first tournament in Raleigh next year is actually going to be at Dorton Arena. That's January 16th. They're growing all the time. It's going to be a much bigger venue in the past, and it's a really it's a, it's a really cool venue, I think. I think. It's awesome. Yeah the, yeah, the Dorton Arena is uh, where we talked about on the last show where the CFP fights were held back in 2008 when uh, MMA came back to North Carolina. So it shows that jiu-jitsu is also uh, very much on the up and up. Mm-hmm. As well, well, I mean, North Carolina's had a solid scene for a while now, but now this is huge to have it at that place. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great. Yeah, it's, it's super exciting. It's always nice to see the martial arts grow in North Carolina. So to recap, the three segments, uh, we're going to play a bumper and then get into the show in earnest. We'll start talking about data. For the first segment, we're going to talk about the most common submissions at U.S. Grappling 2015. For the second segment, we're going to play an excerpt from an interview with Fredson Paixão, who is uh, a legend of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that I had the privilege of taking a seminar with. Thanks to Marcel Fucci for organizing that. Uh, Fredson is an old this school door guy with opening a bunch up of and closing by itself is wigging me out. Yeah, no, seriously, it's like the ghost of Christmas past is coming in. Yeah, we have a door in the studio that's just opening and closing by itself, and I keep looking at it. Yeah, Jacob Marley is going to come in and tell me I should have drilled more heel hooks last week. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be crazy. Uh, for their and for our final segment, uh, for our final segment, we're going to give some end of year awards. Both Trevor and I have. Pro, have or there are nominations. Nominations, yes. right. If anyone else has better stuff to put out, we'll put these results on our Facebook page. And if someone has something better, remember this is local Carolina mm-hmm. stuff, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, so, actually, I take that one thing is from Australia, but I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. Australia is like North Carolina spiritually. There's, there's sure. beer, there's beer Dude, both places. Way crazier. It's the wow. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get picketed by Australians like that one episode nah. of The Simpsons where Bart goes to Australia and angers the whole country. <laughs> At any rate, Toilet during the last thing. segment, me and Trevor will nominate year-end awards for best jiu-jitsu match, best Muay Thai fight, best MMA fight, best submission of the year. We're gonna nominate what we think was the most impressive, and y'all can get at us and let us know if we missed something or left something out. So. Hang with us for 15 seconds, and then we're going to talk about U.S. grappling. If you're if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're not really into jujitsu, I'm I'm a little bit creeped out, honestly. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on whupfm.org. So let's get right into it. If you want to see the chart, you can either go to our Facebook page, which is Cage Side Radio, or my blog, dirtywhitebelt.wordpress.com. You can see all the results from the 2,000 matches that I analyzed. One of the things we were talking about before the show is far and away the most common submission is the armbar. And this is one of the results that surprised me the least because the armbar is legal in all divisions. Like Trevor, you were saying, it's one of the first things you learn in jiu-jitsu. You can do it in the gi, you can do it without the gi, and it's something that never stops working at the highest levels. So, so that was something that I wasn't surprised by. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, wait, no. You said you were surprised. No, by No, I wasn't surprised. Oh, I, I was. Oh, a li- okay. I was a little surprised by the the margin was so high. Like the, there were almost three hundred armbars that got hit, and the next uh, the next highest thing was less than a hundred. So I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, that, that is gap. a little little crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I think like that's one of those things not too surprising. But wait, what? Tra- am I looking at the same chart? How come this one says heel hook is higher? It's not, oh, uh, that's that's the only the advanced divisions. We'll get into that. Oh, in is that what I pulled up? Oh yeah. man, I'm so dumb. Look at me. <laughs> wow. Okay, so advanced division. Uh, if everyone uh, doing Wing Chun tonight, going for heel hooks. Uh, man, I can't believe I pulled up the wrong chart graph. See, this is why I don't do science. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to put my phone down because I can't do anything right. Um, but then, uh, Chris, you said you had. We were talking before the show, and good old intern Chris. 
who is in his baby infant stage in his martial arts journey or whatever you don't know his oh that's the chart i'm handing trevor the right chart oh man so many arm bars holy cow <laughs> yeah i looked at the wrong chart the whole time i'm fired no it's all right so while, while, while we're talking about that we'll get into the heel hooks in a second the other thing i wanted to talk about that i was a little surprised by is that submissions are slightly more likely to happen than points so if you have a match and you know and there's a time limit about 55% of those matches are going to going to end in submission and I guess I thought that points would be more common. Uh, I thought that more people would play for points, which is sort of the stereotype of a points tournament. But as it turns out, submissions are slightly more likely than points to happen. And that gets even more pronounced in the advanced divisions. So, like, for example, in the advanced gi divisions, brown, male, male adult, brown, and black belt, there are twice as many submissions as there are going, uh, matches that go to points. Uh, does that surprise you, Trevor? Not so no, much? No, not so much, no. no but now I'm looking at, like, the chart, and I'm like, it's awesome because the first three submissions that you see the highest that U.S. grappling are the armbar, Rene choke, and triangle. Mm-hmm. It's funny how basics work, right? Exactly. And, and for me, that's really, the if, if, if I were to instill in anyone the overarching message of this, it is the basics work, and the fundamentals never stop working at the highest level. So, uh, for Chris, what was the thing that you pointed out earlier? Well, I was surprised when you're talking about basics, the, um, when you're talking about the basics, I was... When I saw the arm bar, I said, well, that's just a basic move. But then there's also the guillotine, which is a basic move, but that wasn't popular at all. So I was wondering why that wouldn't be popular. Well, I wouldn't say it isn't popular at all. It's top five. Right. Uh, and so, so let me break down the top five submissions, uh, which is an arm bar. We had 279 arm bars. And remember, this is just over 2,000 matches. Uh, about 105 rear naked chokes, 102 triangles, 88 collar chokes, and the guillotine and the kimura were tied with 68. Now, it may look like that's you know, not as popular as an arm bar. But, uh, like, but, but, for example, uh, that's still top five in a list of, like, 20-some submissions. And so I think that's still pretty significant. Um, also, so a couple of different things about the data. Uh, overarching message is that fundamentals wins tournament matches. All of, the match- all of the submissions that I just listed, all six of them, you will learn in the first six months of jiu-jitsu. And yet, black belts are hitting this stuff. Advanced no-gi people are hitting this stuff. And so that, the, the, the overarching message is drill the... The stuff that the, the, the early the, the stuff you learn early, the stuff that works. I also want to give some shout outs in that yes, fancy stuff happens too. Uh, we had one electric chair submission all year. What's up to what? Marcel Fucci? Oh, was that Marcel? Marcel oh, hit right an electric on. chair. We had one Gogo Plata. What's up to Alex Ceruto from Roy Marsh's team? Alec, Alec, that kid's a monster. He is. He Gogo yeah. plotted some blue belt, some poor, poor blue belt. And we had two Peruvian neckties in the beginner division and the white belt division, which tells me, stop watching YouTube, fellas. <laughs> but a single wing choke. What kind of kung fu is that? The single wing choke is actually an old school lapel choke. Where was you, it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, yeah. And, and like, let me, let me take a step back and talk a, a little bit about the limitations. Of what that. I find funny is the bulldog choke I see on there. And that I... I can imagine was some horrific white belt spaz out match, and he had no idea what ha- was it. Yeah, that because that's the basic beginner guys group. Yeah, the bu- yeah. for people who don't, who don't know what a bulldog choke is, you should Google Pat, f- like the Pat Militich Pat fight. Militich against right, because Car- right? yes. Carlos Newton hits the bulldog choke on yeah. Pat Militich, and his and, and Carlos is so vascular, his arms yeah. just get totally striated. <laughs> as he, as from he's the front. It's so weird. It's like a really violent. It's a big schoolyard bully, but it works when you actually get the. Pop it up and yeah, no, it's it's yeah. a, it's a na- learn your headlock escapes, kids. Yeah. So it, it so so the fundamentals win, and that's sort of the lesson of this. The the other thing that I wanted to point out, and Chris talked about, you know, hey, the guillotine isn't as popular as I would have thought. I think that can be attributed to two things. First of all, Cody Malte was in Las Vegas for six months of the year. True. And so so I'm sure there'll be a lot more guillotines hit this year. Um, but also, what we want to point out is, just like heel hooks 
are more powerful than they look because you can only do them in a few divisions. So are collar chokes. A collar choke is a top five submission, even though you can only do it in half the divisions because if you're not wearing a gi, you can't collar choke somebody. So the fact that a collar choke is top five tells me, man, you got you to gotta pay really close attention to your day one gi and lapel chokes. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's so that's uh, that's something that that I found significant. I mean, it's like when you're in the gym. How often do you, you you'll normally see like the blue belts will always mess the white belts and get them with the lapel chokes. And you know to let them know that it's there for sure, yeah. for sure. They always like, overlook it. it. It absolutely. And like I think also. So one thing that I, I want to say about this is I think that if you drill something and you commit to it, it's like the Bruce Lee principle of I don't fear the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. I pr- or no, a ten, ten, ten thousand ten kicks just one, one time. Kick. I said it opposite. Good job, well, Jeff. Yeah, I know. God, I'm, I've ruined Christmas. Crawl back to your hole. <laughs> like I, yeah, but, but I like my hole. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the point is drill the fundamentals, drill what you're good at, and, and do it over and over. So let's talk about heel hooks for a second, because as you can see, like if you're looking at this stuff, and by the way, let me take a step back and say, uh, follow us on Twitter, Cage Side Whoop. All of these stats are going to be posted there. I've posted a detailed breakdown of this on my blog, dirtywhitebelt.wordpress.com, that you can all check out. And all of this is linked to our Facebook page, which is Cage Side Radio. So if you want to follow along with us, you can do that. But so, um, so the heel hook is a very popular submission, even though it's only allowed in advanced adult nogi. You can't even do it 30 plus. Um, and so the fact that there were 22 heel hooks hit, even though it's only allowed in one division, is really significant. And then when I broke down the numbers further, there are also toe holds being hit in that division. There are also ankle locks, calf slicers, and um, and uh, and uh, there's one other leg lock submission that knee bars. Oh, that, the, the knee bar. Knee bar. What do, you, what do you mean I can't knee bar? <laughs> it's what everybody says. And so the, the, the lesson is in advanced nogi, hide your footsies for sure. Um, so the, let me let me talk a couple things about things that were so, so that were more popular than I thought, and some things that I that were less popular than I thought. Uh, something that was really more popular than I thought, especially because Cody wasn't in town, is uh, wrist locks were much more popular than I thought they would be. Is that because of bagels? It could be bagels. Could, yeah. I'm like, frankly, they, uh, we saw wrist locks throughout the divisions because U.S. grappling. I haven't done a U.S. Them. grappling match in a while. I'm not really mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. the cage side caravanning anymore a whole lot. So yeah, I went to a lot. Of, like the thing is, I went to almost all the tournaments. Some of them I was just refing at. Some of them I wasn't competing at. But like I and I didn't notice a ton of wrist locks being hit. But the data doesn't lie, and wrist locks are getting hit in every division. By the way, one fact that I wanted to mention is. Can you guess the person who won the most U.S. grappling tournament matches last year? I'm going to throw a wild card out there. Uh, not Alex Cummings. Not Alex not, Cummings. Not your roommate because he posted a lot of wins this year. So yeah, you know, he, he, Alex has, done, has had a fantastic year, and he's a really good competitor. But nope, I'm going to give you one more guess. Raptor Jesus. <laughs> the rap- actually, yes. Oh, awesome. Ra- Raptor Jesus. Hat, yeah. If you define Raptor Jesus as John Bagels Telford, who is. Oh, well, yeah. gosh, man, come on. I, I should have figured that. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, so John well, Bagels. He's at every match. He's at every, uh, he's at every tournament. Yeah. Exactly. So John won the most U.S. grappling matches. He was an outstanding competitor at Purple Belt, has become an equally outstanding competitor at Brown Belt. And so we'll have to get John in the studio oh, at yeah, some point. Yeah. We'd love to talk to him. And so, you know, because he, he has a perspective on both as a competitor, someone that's involved in U.S. grappling, somebody that teaches kids' yeah. classes, all, all that sort of thing. So more pop- so the wrist lock was a lot more popular than I thought, and I'm sure that that makes uh, that Roy, is surprising. Yeah, that'll make Roy awesome Marsh and Cody handy. <laughs> um, so he- here's how popular it is. It's twice as ma- so the baseball choke is one of the most powerful gi chokes. Really fundamental. Chris is over here just wide eyed, like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, Chris has the "I like turtles" look on his face. <laughs> but uh, but but like, man, the- we're treating you like you're in class <laughs> right now. <laughs> but, taking you to school. I'm but, used so- to it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the wrist lock is twice as popular as the baseball choke. Um, the cutter choke, which is the bread cutter or the paper cutter, a lot of people call it, is much more popular than I would have guessed either. There were more cutter submissions than north-south chokes and anaconda chokes combined. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's surprising, right? So le- a lot. Le- so those are the ones that were more popular than I thought. And don't worry, we'll get to something that 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 that, um, that everybody can weigh on on in a second. Um, so less popular, least the least popular submission or submissions that were less popular than I thought. I was really surprised that there were only three omoplata submissions all year. And yes, most people use the omoplata as a sweep, and so that's what you usually use it as. An omoplata is a shoulder lock. You can either use it as a submission, or you can use it to come well, up on the top. The one that Josh Murdoch hit earlier this year—that was rough. That was to wicked. Watch. That was yeah. wicked. Absolutely wicked. People. Your omoplata is more advanced than. It's a shoulder lock with your yeah. legs. I mean, I would say that they are more. I'd say they're more advanced than guillotine singapores, but not that much more. They're definitely good, solid blue belt moves. Like Jay Quitfield's main game at blue belt was omoplata. And I, I guess it's it's more difficult to submit somebody because the common defense is they can roll and right. let you come out on top. So what it is, it's, it's sort of like if you've done pigeon pose at yoga. It's like doing pigeon pose on somebody's shoulder. And so from there, the defense is usually to roll. And if they don't block your hip, then you can roll pretty easily and avoid the submission. And that's what happens with a lot of omoplatas. I guess there's a couple reasons that it surprised me. First of all is if you get really good at the omoplata, and there are a lot of people around here that are really good at the omoplata, Maze Hedari from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, it's one of his best moves, and I know he teaches guys that move, then you can you can stop that roll, or you can re-roll and submit them. And, I, I, like, it may also be, I may also have it have some confirmation bias, because the omoplata is one of my favorite moves, but the fact that there were as many bulldog chokes as there were omoplata finishes... That really surprised me. That's weird. That is one of those things you don't. That's uh, surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And so I want to talk about like. Uh, uh, so uh, I want to acknowledge before we get into a couple other things that that, that Chris will be able to weigh in on. There's a, a slight difference between advanced divisions and the the divisions generally. And I posted both charts to our Facebook page and to my blog, so you can check those out. The main difference is not that the fundamentals stop working at the advanced level, because they don't. Arm bars are still the second most popular submission in all the advanced divisions. You still hit, you still see bow and arrow chokes, things like that. The power of the leg lock really starts to come into play, though, and because those things become legal. And so it's sort of like, instead of, instead of it changing the game entirely, it's just like an added element to the game, and I think that's pretty interesting as you, as you get to the highest level. The other thing that you see is some of the most basic submissions give way to the next most advanced iterations of those submissions. So in advanced gi divisions, you see fewer collar chokes and more bow and arrow chokes. Because that gives way example. to the bow and arrow choke. Yeah, exactly. Also, the Corbet brothers are in the advanced divisions oh, now. Yeah, so, so, so bow and arrow chokes. Wait, there's another one? Yeah, Gavin. <laughs> yeah, he's DeAndre's what? little brother. Yeah, no, no doubt. So there's not already one scary uh, one. So there's. <laughs> so I know yeah. DeAndre is a great kid. He's terrifying. And then, so he has an equally terrifying little brother. Yeah, those kids are so good, man. Those really? Kids and, yeah, is and he really, a blue belt or purple belt? He's a blue belt now. He's a blue belt. It was funny because he, uh. he he was a juvenile. I don't I don't know how old Gavin is now, but but um, he's now competing against adults and hurting adult feelings. So good job to good I'll job just show to you this kid DeAndre's match against Frankie Mercado, who wrestles with like the U.S. Army wrestling, wrestling yeah. team, and he's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and DeAndre just is on him like white on oh, rice. Man. Dude, like when you, when we show like that Joe Rogan video, it talks about that feeling of drowning. Yeah, it's similar. Frankie, I love you. Don't flex on me, bro. No, Frank and Frankie's a great guy, and that was an outstanding match. Oh, was, like that yeah. was a really fun match to watch. The Corbett brothers, like for my money, are are sort of like honestly, that's what jujitsu is about for me because both of these are little guys. Like DeAndre is probably one thirty five, yeah. and Gavin's even lower. But the, just their technique, and like th- those guys work hard, they drill hard, and so it really shows you that that you you know technique conquers. So a couple other things that I want to talk about before uh, about the data um, that I was surprising. So. 
there were four t- like so. And I talked about how Omoplata's we only saw three get finished last year. So four people tapped to pressure last year. No, 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 no. no, that, no I know. Really? So, yeah, Chris, Chrissy Lindsay, who runs U.S. Grappling, and it was really gracious to supply me with the bracket scans that I went through. So thank you, Chrissy. Um, says that they usually have one at every tournament. Um, that one, but there were only four that got recorded on the bracket scans. So that surprised me a little bit. But I'll tell you what really surprised me. There could be more. That means there could be more. And so let me t- before I before I talk about the tapping to pressure, let me acknowledge some limitations of the data because not all this stuff gets recorded. You know, some of the brackets come back. Like basically, I got this data from people writing the results on brackets, and ninety eight percent of the time that happens, but two percent of the time people don't write down how people won. So there are some limitations. So there may have been actually more taps to pressure or more omoplatas. Probably not likely, but you know th- this is a this data is big picture stuff. It's not mm-hmm. like a perfect snapshot of yeah. what happened. So here's the thing. What belt level do you think the guys that tapped to pressure were? You know what? A lot of people are going to think white belt mm-hmm. off the bat. I'm going to have to that say it's my probably guess. advanced. The advanced guys, some of those black belts with wicked neon belly and, and mm-hmm. you have someone like Seth Shant that wants to climb on top of you and work the 100 kilos or whatever. I forgot the name yeah. of the position. Yeah, no, 100 kilos is the name Jason of the position. Jason Colbert, he's like, hey, you're going to start doing jiu-jitsu January 1st. And I'm like, again? Yes, you are. Ah, yes, you, you are. my Muay Thai class, so i got to get back to all this knowledge. So for folks that don't train, um, or don't Wait, train. Was I right? It was all the, the, the black belts, the advanced division and stuff like that? Or? Uh, I'll get to the answer in a second. But Gosh. Suspense, <laughs> Trevor. I have to keep you in suspense. But but the, um, so the, the, uh, for those of you that don't train, uh, the tapping to pressure is basically one. It's one of the first things they tell you not to do because jiu-jitsu is about surviving bad positions. And so tapping to pressure is basically a dude or a lady on top of you who is slowly crushing your soul with pressure. And it's really awful, but you've got to learn to endure it. So what surprised me was no white belts tapped to pressure last year. Um, three blue belts and one purple belt tapped to pressure, which, wow. which really surprised me. There were more taps to pressure than there were taps to clock chokes or loop chokes, which are two really common uh, gi submissions. And, and that, that surprised me a bit. Um, the more you know, put in the rainbow by LeVar Burton. I did notice there's a section that says default to. Would that be due to injury or... Chris, you, uh, Chris, I love you. I could kiss you because that is the perfect segue to the next thing I wanted to talk about. That's uh, a great. That's, that's a great question. And feel free to ask questions. You know, this is this is this is a, a, you know I hate lectures. They're boring. Besides that, they're fascist. I prefer interactive, participatory discussions. It's more democratic. <laughs> well, when you get going, I don't stop the Jeff Shaw knowledge train. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a snowball that gets rolling and then yeah. melting. It's a very it's a vegan snowball. Yeah. Uh, but that's a great question. Vegan no, <laughs> it went through a cow pasture. It's not vegan anymore. It's mm. your point is the cow. Invalid. The cow. The cow gave up those cow patties of its own of its own free will. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. I'm so glad you don't do CrossFit. You'd never shut up. I know. No, I don't. I never shut up anyway. No, I'm it's kidding. Terrible. I love you. Uh, I love you back. <laughs> but Chris asks a great question. So if you'll notice on the chart, there's a category called default. What that is is mostly injury defaults, but it also includes forfeits. So like, hey, I'm tired. I'm not showing up for my next match. Or it oh, okay. So they still count that. Yeah, that's how I, I guess. Th- I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you'll see people like the white belt will have like two or three hard matches. Like, I have more. I mean, but until you experience, like you have that adrenaline dump and you're wrestling for six, seven minutes, a couple times. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. No. Exactly. And like, I don't. I don't. I'm not, I don't. I don't judge on that. At least not the, the early folks. But like, so basically, what's included in that category are people that get injured during matches. Uh, people that forfeit their next matches because of the phenomenon Trevor just described. Oh, God, I'm gassed out. I had no idea how, how hard this was going to be. Um, and a disqualification. So if a guy slams another guy 
or a closeout. Man, do we have video of the time that Bagels had to tackle the guy? Yes, we do. Do we have that somewhere? Yes, we do. Oh, we yes. Po- yes, we can do. We can, we can post that on Facebook. But So those are, those are the main categories. Now, the overwhelming majority of those categories are injuries. Like, okay, I went for a judo throw and I blew out my knee. Oh, crap, I have to stop. Eric oh, you know. Yeah, sorry, Eric. Get well is soon, that what he is? He went for a... Yeah, both, both of those guys went for inside trips at the same time, and uh, his patella got dislocated, Ooh. which was a bad scene. So here's what's funny. So if, if I could, so I analyzed the data from the defaults, and here's what I can tell you. Um, 30 plus men get hurt more often than anybody, but still not very often relative to what we're doing, and women are tougher than men. And I can defend that claim. So let me, let, me, let me go each of those claims. So the reality is our bodies get more fragile as they age. I'm 41, and it's just, it's just, it's just tougher than it used to be. We heal less well. But so of the old guys, of the 47 total men's division defaults, 17 of those were 30 plus. And there are a lot, le- lot fewer people in the 30 plus divisions. So basically about one in 26 of 30 plus matches has an injury default. And that's far and away the highest rate. Now, that's still not so bad because that's less than 4%. And if you think about what we're doing, trying to bend joints the wrong way, doing really intense athletic really stuff. really surprising. It yeah. is like that it's that low, right? And so, so if you're over 30 you're much more likely to have an injury default, but it's also not that likely. And it's not even, I don't think appreciably, I think it's maybe even lower risk than some of the other sports. No, it's funny you talk like about that. It's like, it's like uh, you can compare that going to a Muay Thai tournament and kickbox and play, oh man, there's be broken noses left and right. And it's like, you actually, like you'll see a bloody nose, but an overall broken nose or broken jaw or like broken foot and hand, they're actually a lot less common. That's stuff that happens in training, more or less. It's crazy. Like, like in jiu-jitsu, you'll see more injuries happen accidentally inside yes. the gym from the spazzy white belt. Like in Muay Thai, you'll have a spazzy person the first time sparring, which is why you say I keep you guys all controlled and stuff in class. But like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing to see like how few injuries will actually happen, even though they do happen in uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point. And I would be really interested to compare this to data about something like adult rec soccer leagues. Man, you know what, actually, I would I'm going to hit up Brian Crenshaw that runs the WKA and see what info I can get so that, I can have my own... Like, my chart will not be, it'll be on crayons and, like, recycled paper, and I might draw a dinosaur when I get bored, but that'd be a cool study to do, too, man. Absolutely. No, that would would be amazing. I I think everyone would look forward to, to, I mean, I would love Trevor's nerdy crayon chart. (laughs) My arts and crafts time. (laughs) So here's what's going to happen. So, uh, like, I have one other thing to talk about with this, and we can close out this segment and go into the Fredson interview. Because we went way over the segment than we planned. Did we? But no. We're we're, we're, we're just we're just about on time. We're just about on time. But like we're going to play an excerpt of the Fredson Paishao interview and play half of it today and play half of it next week. Um, but uh, before we do that, I just want to talk about the rest of the default stats. So like I said, if you're if you're 30 plus, one in 26 of those matches has an injury. Not a huge rate, but much higher than the other. By contrast, for men generally, the total injury rate is about one in every 38.5 matches, which again, not a very high injury rate. No. But what about the women? So I looked at 282 women's matches. There were four defaults. Four. That's about one in every 70 matches. Now, what's crazy about that is I was a lot of U.S. grappling tournaments, and I was refing in a tournament where I saw two women from Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, two, two different matches, do closeouts. Like, I don't want to fight my teammate. I'm against my teammate in the finals. I don't want to fight. So as far as I know, only about two defaults, like injury defaults, actually happened in women's matches uh, during U.S. grappling. But even taking the most conservative things of the data, only about one in every 70 That's matches nuts, got hurt. women will go at it. Oh, yeah. Like the, they fight hard. The, yeah, dude. The women matches are pretty intense, and that's kind of surprising. I mean, 
Yeah, it wow. was. I was like, I don't know. It, it, it was very. I mean, I guess it, like like the arm bars. It wasn't super surprising to me, but the rate was super surprising. Like, if you'd have said, hey, women get hurt less often than men, yeah. I'd be like, okay, I could see that. But if you said, like, about twice as less likely, then, yeah. then I would have been surprised because the women go just as hard as the guys. They so absolutely do. For them and their estrogen that prevents, I don't know. The estrogen, uh, the, 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 the ovary. The snapping yeah. and stuff like that. I think it's I'm over- trying not to sound sexist, and I might have <laughs> accidentally. I'm getting so much hate mail when I get home or something, probably. Like, probably love mail. But yeah. the, the pro wrestler Mick Foley uses the phrase ovariological fortitude, which to describe women <laughs> fighting. And so, so hey, ladies, I tip my cap to you. Like, you, like the, and the, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, women are tough. And, like, one gender pushes out babies. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, like, if, if men had to do that, uh, the species would go extinct. But it looks awful. Not to be all essentialist about it. Yeah. At any rate. So those are the so to close out that segment. Um, all of this data is available on my blog, dirtywhitebelt.wordpress.com. Uh, you can check it out in chart form. It's also on our Facebook page. I'm also going to create a storify of all the tweets on this topic using the hashtag #USGFacts. We'll post that link to our Facebook page as well. So we hope you've enjoyed this little trip down data lane. And now, hang with us for about 15 seconds. And on the other end, we're going to play an interview from the le- the legendary Fred and Pie Show. If you're if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're not really into jujitsu, I'm I'm a little bit creeped out, honestly. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on whupfm.org. So a few weeks ago, there was a seminar at Killer Bee Training Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and Fredson Paishao, who's a legendary black belt, former UFC fighter. Uh, Black Belt and Osvaldo Alves, and one of the uh, first guys, one of the only guys to skip his brown belt and go straight from purple belt to black belt, attended. And he was gracious enough to give me an interview. And uh, so we don't have enough time to play the whole interview this time, but we're going to play about 20 minutes of it. And so I really enjoyed what he had to say, his perspective, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. So we'll see you on the other side of this interview. You get your start in jiu-jitsu. My start in jiu-jitsu is a, is a little bit funny because uh, in the beginning I don't want to train jiu-jitsu because I, I think jiu-jitsu is a, a sport you know, for, men, for men. It's, it's, it's not a manly sport because you go, oh, okay, I'm going to rest one of the men and stuff. You know, a little bit. As a, before I met Kung Fu fan, this is I met Bruce Lee, a crazy fan and stuff. Yeah. That's just, I always crazy for the, the Bruce Lee and this stuff. But one day a friend of mine invited for go, he always under the school, he tell no, let me go train Jiu Jitsu, Jiu Jitsu, the tank, da 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 Pass it, pass it, all the time. And one day, the end of the year, he, oh, I have to go to the gym for help, he change the, the mat, the stuff, pen, the, because it's it. I, he did you can you help me? I feel like, okay, I'm gonna help you. I go there, help him clean the gym, the stuff. I by the end of the whole thing, the the teacher the the, the, the teacher asking you, Oh, I don't have the money for pay you the stuff my the only way I can pay you, I give for you six months uh, free for you train. I just oh, okay. I not gonna care this. I don't need you to pay me. I come here for help uh, my friend Layson. I just oh no, I Layson just Layson kicking my my chin, my chin. I boom. I oh, I just shake the head. It's okay. I'm gonna accept. I say, I, that's the way. I started. Then 
Onde, onde uh, work from my school to start, start we have a little bit in the, the school. Uh, he he's already orange belt. That, I mean, start I wrote him and start get my arm. Tapping my arm all the time, boom, boom. I've been so angry, I just, no, 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 I'm gonna, gonna go get this guy. Então, this make I stay, então, I start, uh, six months I start defend, uh, nine, nine, uh, nine months I start, he don't get me anymore, I pipe, I'm gonna find a year later, I explode. That's good, then, that's good, that's keeping me there, training jiu-jitsu, that stuff. So, did you... you did you always train under Osvaldo Alves, or who, who did you start with? I started I started on um, Ole Lobato, uh, one of the black belts from from Osvaldo Alves in Manaus, the capital of the Amazonia. Uh, Ole Lobato is a uh, black belt from Osvaldo, and they passed in 1997, uh, I got an invitation for Osvaldo to live at a real and train jiu-jitsu. That's, that's the thing. Then I train straight, I think 10 years straight in Oswaldo, Oswaldo Alves. Is it true that he skipped you from purple belt right to black belt? And what did that mean to you, and how did that happen? Uh, that's, uh, that's the thing, uh, the moment he do that, uh, I competed the whole tournament. The guys that competed at the the, the, the national, the world is is very one's brown, another black, is a bunch of guys that do this stuff. And I, I I'm there. I'm there. I said the situation that it's wow. That's crazy. I, I they, they help people. I, I Carlin Grace is, uh, is the president of the, 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 the confederation that he tell uh, Osvaldo Fredson came out, uh, he can compete more at a at a Bobo Bell, this stuff you have to bring him up for the time he can uh, for the time he, uh, I had just oh now I have I'm gonna compete in the brown belt but from the in 1999 uh, I was about to have the promotion to him, but I'm gonna go there. I go there, everybody get promotion, gonna call, call my name, I just, uh, I'm gonna get my brown belt now, one point I'm gonna compete. When I go there, he come Fred, so he left from the last one for pro- promotion, this Fred's coming, but gonna come here, I'm so gonna get my brown belt, that's good. When I go there, he pull, pull the black, I just, holy crap, I just, holy crap, and now I, I mean, I'm in trouble, I just, oh, it's, <laughs> I tell you that. Fred, so I'm, I'm putting my belt, everything. Everybody says, no, it's crazy, gonna lose, man. It's not gonna fight for that. Yeah, yeah, just, I don't, I don't get the, the dimension of this that I come here in the United States. Before I die, just, he gonna give me, okay, you're gonna get it. But I don't get the dimension about the jump during the, the populace. When I come here, I, I didn't realize that because I, I, don't, I don't care about belt. I just belt for me, I just put in the. the, the on time, when I hit the United States, I'm going to think, talk about, people start talk about the bubble. I'm going to see the dimension, the, the jumping one belt, escape one belt. It's, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Because uh, so two people in the world get this thing. Me, 
Andy, Sérgio Penha, que é another guy from Oswaldo Alves, too. Então, that's, that's crazy. Make one thing unique, né? Now I understand the whole thing about that. Like before, I just, okay, you tell me, I'm gonna go. I just be like a soldier. Just, you're giving the words, I'm gonna keep it. You're gonna follow, you're gonna do that. You tell me, do it. This is me before. You've competed a lot, and you won the world several times at Black Belt. Um, who do you think was your toughest opponent at Black Belt uh, during the Jiu-Jitsu Mundials? It's everyone's a tough, but, uh, but for everybody, they, uh, that's the way I think. For everybody, your tough opponent is yourself. That's the problem, yourself. Because most of the time, for me, go more, but most of the time, it, uh, you have to fight contra yourself. That's the most thing I always fight myself because uh, a couple of times I just uh, kind of lose uh, because I lose for myself because I just want to know, careful this guy, he do this, and I just, nah, I already have. That's the problem. When you think yourself, you are, you are, no, I'm the guy, nobody can beat him. That's the problem. That is a tough thing. You ego, you whole stuff. You know, this is a, this I believe is a tough opponent for at each one, each person in any kind of the area of the life, not just jiu-jitsu, but in the whole life. You know, that's the tough opponent. Is jiu-jitsu for you? Is jiu-jitsu primarily a competitive sport, or is it a self-defense art, or is it some combination of both? Where, where do you come down on the whole sport jiu-jitsu self-defense issue? Jiu-jitsu in si, si you go follow the real uh, Bushiro tank, you know, ki uh, is called the, the mother of the artist is uh, El, El Bushido, uh, Bush, El Bushiro. You know, you, you come for this tank. Uh, uh, I tell you, uh, you come for... When you look for the tank, jiu-jitsu, uh, my jiu-jitsu is a, uh, can be a sport tank, but I use more combat. It's more combat jiu-jitsu, because I don't prepare you just for go. The same way my master is, as well, he don't prepare me just for go, compete, this stuff. He prepare me for outside. So something happened to you outside. You are going to be able to protect myself, I'm going to be able to protect my friends and my family. So something, you know, I don't going to go break people on the outside just for fun. I, just, uh, I don't like fight. You try fight, talk to me, uh, I don't want to do nothing. But the moment you talk, you touch me, it's a green light. Now I just going to stop if I break something. To you. you understand? That's me. I, you don't bother me, I'm not going to bother you. you. You touch me, you're going to talk. Uh, it's, uh, go ahead. But the moment, the moment you touch me, deadline, you know? Over the years, um, have you seen much changes in jiu-jitsu? There have been a lot of changes in sport competition. What do you think are the biggest changes in jiu-jitsu that have happened over the years? Make jiu-jitsu soft. <laughs> jiu-jitsu is still more soft. You can pass, you pass the legs, you rape the knee, this stuff. Still, it has been a little bit uh, softened. I said, no, okay, I understand the competition, thank you, that, but you can, you can make the jiu-jitsu, you can 
Okay, you can make the jiu-jitsu a little bit softer tomorrow, you know? Yeah, that's the only thing you make. I understand that you want to go put more uh, sports, think this stuff, but I just don't want to do this. Okay, the way I tell it for my students, okay, let it go, follow the rules, the, the, the BJJF, the something. I follow BJJF, it's the only organization I really follow. For sure, because I compete all the time for BJF. I trust them because them is pure jiu-jitsu right now. Thank you, the IBJJF. You know, I'm here. I have my work. I have my stuff. I have my respect because the IBJJF. But uh, I don't want to keep at the gym. Is change the things. Make it. I don't think I tell for my students. Okay. You can do the, you can use this in your, in your, your belt, that stuff. That, okay, I understand. That's the part of competition. You're going to compete with it. But I teach my students everything. The jiu-jitsu can learn the past, the, the old school jiu-jitsu. Uh, see, you need to rip your knee, you're going to rip your knee. You know, so you have to toss you, grab this hip, take your eye off, I'm going to take But it's in the gym. But it's gonna, my, my students are going to compete I tell it for them, you should look at the rules. The rules tell for you don't do this, don't do that. Okay, don't do it. But I'm going to teach you everything. Okay? I'm not going to stop my students in their school. Now, you can do that, you can do that. You, this is not for your belt. No, I teach everything for everywhere. You know, because I don't prepare people just for go compete. I prepare you for your daily. You for your, your day. Uh, you don't ever know what's going to happen when you cross the door, the gym, you know? You're gonna have, you're gonna get bullied, or somebody else is gonna try rob you, gonna try punch or do something to you. you I prepare you for the everything that they, not just for tournaments. You know, it's more easy to you teach you whole jujitsu, the whole essence for the the people, and they're gonna go compete. I wanna compete, okay? You wanna compete? Let go. Uh, read the rules. The rules tell you you can do this, you can do that, okay. It's more easy to tell for the student, don't do that, don't do this. The key you go, gonna get uh, in certain belt, you're gonna get, now I'm gonna cheat you there, now it's a lost time. That's the way it's, it's a lost time. For my student, they teach everything. I know, pass now, you don't have the belt, the belt, you know, no ready for us. You have to wait for more two, three years for learning this now. It's lost time. You understand? I know, I understand the parts you have gonna make more money, but I, it's not the money you're gonna tell me. I know about the money. I have a little passion for, for in teaching, teach well, and show you. I don't wanna make it, uh, because I, I don't, I can't tell you, it's not just tournament. It's daily. Jiu-Jitsu for me is like a, a lifestyle, you know? That's the, that's the thing you have for me, lifestyle. Then I'm gonna see the whole thing happen. You're gonna feel the emotion, this stuff, up is down. It, that's the way. You know? So, what do you think, the, because jujitsu is a lifestyle, what do you think the most important thing for new people that are starting jujitsu to know going in? No going? Yeah, like first, my first day. What's the most important thing I need to know? The first day? Pay attention, enjoy it.
you don't need to be to worry about things. Just go there, go inside. The, the teacher go there, gonna teach you the show, the, the basic things. That's the thing. You, you don't have to be so, oh, what you have to do? No, no. Go there. Like I go, like the first time I go into Jiu Jitsu, gonna go, I don't be no, what I have to do, you have to do. No, no. I mean, he, the coach gonna tell you, okay, I have to do it. I do it. You don't have to be, oh, oh no, no, I don't be panicked. Why are you gonna be so crazy? Be there. It's like you go to school, like you go to. Uh, your first job, this stuff that you're gonna have, you're gonna you're gonna get the instruction right there. You don't need you know. I have to know this. I have to know that now. Go there. You're gonna get the knowledge. Just relax. Do that. What about once guys get their blue belt or they know a few things? What do you think the most common training mistakes that people that have been training a year or two make, and how can they fix those mistakes? Like what are what what common errors do you see guys that been training a year or two, maybe have a blue belt. What, what common errors do you think they, those guys make? Uh, the 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 huge mistake when you get your blue belt, you still a white belt, <laughs> you know, because it's it's not meaning nothing. Yeah, I got, I'm a blue belt. Okay, good, you have blue belt. For me, my eyes are still a white belt, and they oh, I gonna. I'm going to explain this like this. The first time I get, this guy tell from my student, oh, look, you get, you get your blue belt. Like you, now you are blue belt. No, you're going to fight now. You're going to train it for you, being a blue belt. When you get your purple belt, like you are purple belt. Now, now you're going to train it for get your blue belt. Same time when I get my black belt, I don't feel my I don't feel myself a black belt. I start to feel myself a black belt. I get in 1999 my 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 black belt. I feel myself a black belt. Okay, in 2000 in 2005 2005 yeah 2005 in Japan in Japan. My seminar for I gave a seminar for one friend of mine at his name is Nayamatsu. I give this seminar there. The his students start to ask about stand up pass. We pass three hours do the seminar. Just disgust a bunch of situation in stand up pass. He said, no, I see, I put your hand here, I tell you this, my man, and that. This for the time I feel myself a black belt. I get 1999 in 2005 for the time I feel myself a black belt. This I tell you. I can give a blue belt for a guy here. Okay, like you are blue belt. Okay, you have the blue belt, now you're gonna work for being a blue belt. Then gonna get a pop the same thing. Then the, that's the difference, you know. Why you think that the federation give you year for you get your strap? You know, for you consolidate your belt. You go one year. Because you pass it. You get your first stripe. You have to be three years of black belt. Same thing. So that's mini for me. My. Constantly, the way I think, and this, you have a three years for that stripe, and now this minicule, a true black belt. And then go to another year. I think, oh, that's the way I, 
I think about that, you know? That's the mistake that people think, no, I'm a belch, no, he might think, dumbass, <laughs> you were <laughs> serious. I, I never been crazy for belch. I don't ask for belch. I don't, uh, have people come for me, ask for belch, I tell you, bro, that's the daughter thing. I'm not gonna give any belch to you. You train, don't ask me belch. Oh, you do your test belch, my test belch every day you hear. I hear it test you every day. I watch how you doing this stuff. You know, that's my test belt, my daily test belt. And uh, I don't pay for my belt. One time I'm in Brazil, I'm in Brazil. This is happy hit you. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Brazil. I go there in Brazil, I think it, uh, two years ago. I go there, I go to a seminar. The guy invited for his, a brown belt invited for the seminar in his academy. I go there, my boy come to me. Oh, I bring you for the seminar here, Bampa. Now, can you please give me the black uh, the black belt? Yo. First, first time I know you. Second, what the f is your problem? No, but uh, how much you you charge? I pay anything you want. It's, uh, I tell you, please. Get out of my front right now and slap your face because you, you, uh, do respect me right now. People know me because I, I and I because I, I don't sell myself. I don't wanna give myself. I'm gonna give a belt for no, no, no. You want a belt? Work, training. I can see you there. I don't care if you get tapped ten times and three times. As you, I see you evolution. I see you other stuff. You understand? Not because you win a, a tournament, you're gonna be a black. No, no, that, that's not mean nothing. That's not mean it. You understand? That's not mean it. You don't need to go to the tournament. You go to the tournament, go. That's good. You make more, it's more, more thing for you. But you don't go, you're gonna get to the black belt the same way. Just come in training. That's the, the only thing I just. That's not thank you, basically. I. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm mean hard about the belt. I mean, I think this thing's so serious. I don't do it. I don't do a, a belt promotion for uh, for the students to make. If I make the money, top of this. no, no, no. I, the belt promotion because I do. I do two belt promotion a year. Two. So you go there and buy, go give a belt because you really, really deserve. You know. Don't ask. If you ask, you where you gonna base me at? Oh, how do you get my belt? Just, uh, that's the wrong gym for me. I like this. Yeah, wrong gym. No, I you don't have a uh, uh, curriculum, okay? I have. I got it. Not because you're learning two or three positions, you're going to, two or three techniques, going to make you at this stuff. Don't care. No, one, one kid is uh, happy. To me, I have one student in Vegas. He... Oh, I trained for five years, I mean, I think I'm a very popular belt. Really? You sure about that? Yeah, the stuff now on my belt, can you give it for me? Uh, I think you're a little bit retarded. Uh, Better you move, walk away right now because the thing gonna be ugly. 
So nobody he tell he don't ask the belt for me. You wanna make me angry? Ask about it. That's the thing. They go, oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm curious. Say no, you not curious. I know you you wanna this. But I'm the wrong guy, bro. You wanna leave the gym, please. The door's open. Go ahead. Please, I don't I don't care. You wanna you wanna be my studio, you wanna follow my stuff? Stay here, don't ask for belt. Call me gay, call me this stuff, I'm gonna laugh in your face, but no. Don't ask for that. That's not think it taking me. Oof, crazy. So that's the first part of our interview with Fred Senpaishao, legendary jiu-jitsu practitioner. And boy, don't ask for a belt generally, but specifically don't ask Fredson for one. Uh, we're going to play the second half of that interview uh, next week. So if you enjoy that, please come back for another 10-minute segment, segment with Fredson. So folks, it is our last show before the new year, and me and Trevor have each prepared some end-of-year awards. We both looked back on the year and thought, all right, what was significant about the martial arts this year? What were the best fights that we saw? What were the best matches we saw? And we should prepare a couple of things that we're also going uh, post to post to, to Facebook about. But these are our nominations for the end-of-year awards. And so because we want this to be a conversation with you, the listener, if we missed anything, hit us up on Twitter at CagesideWhip or CagesideWhip at gmail.com and let us know what you thought were the best matches, best MMA fights, uh, of the year, and we'll continue to post those to social media and maybe talk them about them next week. So, Trevor, what did you come up with for the best fight of last year? Uh, this uh, year, I'd like to nominate my good friend Michael Stevens out of 8 Points Muay Thai. Um, he had a great fight against his cat, Willie Hosh, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I picked this fight simply because they're both two cats from North Carolina. Uh, Mike came in at five and one or four and one, I think, uh, and Willie was five and zero. Oh. And when you see Willie fight, he would just lay people out, just violence. And uh, Mike came in, just super relaxed. You no, know, this guy Willie was talking all kinds of junk, and Mike is just a stone cold, uh, great guy. But when it comes to fighting, he's going to put it on you. And this fight uh, went everywhere. You know, Mike got dropped hard in the first round. Held tight, got a good sweep at the end of the first round. Uh, second round, great back and forth, takedowns back and forth, sweeps, takedowns, uh, great stand-up. In the third round, Mike just kept the pressure and just ended Willie's night with a barrage of knees and elbows and head kicks against the cage. And it was really hard to watch. And I was there live with some friends of mine that also trained with Mike, and we were just going like, like we went from cheering to, Oh my God! Stop this! And Mike just kept going and going and going. And um, and, and a fight of the year is not a blowout in my eyes. It is a great back and forth. It's almost like like the old wrestling matches. You have to heal, like you know, you have like the good guy is losing, and then he comes back and he loses a bit, but then he wins. And that's exactly how this fight went. And it was a great uh, gut check uh, for Mike, and just a great all around. It's it's what a mixed martial arts fight should be. And I completely agree with you. A match of the year or a fight of the year candidate can't be a blowout. You don't yeah. want to see a guy just go out and destroy a guy in 13 yeah. seconds. That's not. You want to see two excellent competitors going at it and gutting it out. Yeah. And and that's sort of. And do we have video of this fight? Oh yeah, I'm gonna put it up on the on the Cage Side Concussion Cast uh, Facebook page. That is awesome. So watch for that, folks. And that segues into nicely my Jiu Jitsu match of the year, which much like Trevor's was a back and forth competition between two seasoned competitors. My favorite match of the year was two actually two Concussion Cast guests, C.J. Murdoch, black belt from Great Rappling, and Frankie Patches, uh, black belt under Matt Sarah, who runs Sarah BJJ Merzel Beach, fighting at Toro Cup Two, and it was an outstanding back and forth match, a sort of Old, like old school versus new school uh, and two guys that just were able to put each other in excellent positions and a high pace exciting match 
What I loved about this match was it went the entire 15-minute submission only round. It went the entire five-minute points round without a winner, and we had to go to a sudden victory round where you didn't know who was going to win until the very, very end, and just two guys who are really tough, really technical guys going at each other. Um, and so if you didn't see that on the uh, on the Toro Cup live stream, shame on you, first of all. But uh, second, we got HD video that I'm also going to post to the Cage Side Concussion Cast Facebook page. So if you missed uh, CJ Murdoch against Frankie Patches, uh, you'll be able to check out our Facebook page and watch that. That's my match of the year nomination. Let us know if we missed anything. Um, I also have an amazing fail video I'm going to put up. It is not from North Carolina. It is actually from Australia. And that's your fail of the year candidate? That's my fail of the year candidate. Just, uh, are you going to keep us in suspense or are you going to tell us yeah, a little about it? No, I'm going to have to show it to you guys. It's hard <laughs> for me to describe. Like, I'm really good at screwing up without trying. Like, that is my, like, my memoir will be how to screw up and not, well, not trying to. How to screw up and influence people by Trevor Hayes. Exactly. <laughs> Where this guy is just, like, screwing up all over the place. And it's like, man, you kind of deserve that. It's kind of ridiculous. So. Fair enough. So watch our Facebook page for those two nominations. I have also, and like, I have two other nominations. So we, we so you've just heard my match of the year, my jiu-jitsu match of the year. You've just heard Trevor's MMA fight of the year. I have two submission of the year candidates uh, that I would like to tell you about. One in the gi and one no gi uh, for jiu-jitsu. And these are all these are local. So I decided when I was thinking about these that I would include only black belts, and I would include only local, you know, North Carolinas and or Carolinas and beyond region. So if you have anything anything better, definitely feel free to hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. But my gi match candidate is Cody Malte uh, against Jonathan Wirtz at Toro Cup, where Corey or Cody gets one of his signature guillotines from the mounted position. And it was just a really beautiful setup uh, where it's one of those things where even if you see it coming, it's extremely difficult to stop. That was also at Toro Cup. I'll post that video uh, to the Facebook as well. And my favorite Nogi submission of the year um, was a match between a Nogi match uh, between Jake Whitfield and Neil Weaver at the first Toro Cup. And this was a much anticipated match for a variety of reasons. Both of those guys have been training forever. Both of them train really hard. Um, there was a lot of, uh, of technique. And what I thought was really beautiful about that submission, which, again, the video is going to get posted, um, is it's an armbar submission. And what I love about jiu-jitsu, and particularly Jake's jiu-jitsu, is the flowing transitions of it. So Jake takes the back from the guard, and you think he's going to go for a rear naked choke. Neil tripods up to try to shake Jake off, and Jake just beautifully transitions to a very tight armbar. And that was uh, just really gorgeous jiu-jitsu at, at the Toro Cup. And so I thought, so those are my candidates for submission of the year. So if you have other nominations, please hit us up on Twitter at CagesideWhoop or email us at CagesideWhoop at gmail.com. Trevor, do you have any other year-end awards, or are we? Uh, yeah, I have a couple good uh, Muay Thai fights I'm gonna put up there from some friends of mine. Um, my buddies, uh, my buddy Jim Baglioni from Wilmington had a great fight against uh, Jeremy Lopez from South Carolina. In South Carolina, it's Carolina still. Um, let's see, Liam Donahue versus Josh Yanez was a great fight uh, in North Carolina when they started recently having kickboxing and Muay Thai fights back in North Carolina. Is the first one great back and forth fight and then um that was my phone falling i apologize i have a brick of a phone and then um my buddy gustavo had a great fight so i'm gonna put those up there and people can decide if people have their own fights they want to put up remember it has to be from the carolinas yeah so get talk to us about what your favorite fights were vote on the ones that we put up and my fit my final nomination for indie award is best intern 
Intern Chris, ladies and gentlemen. Chris, say hi to the people. Thank you so much. All right, that's it for Chris. Did you enjoy your first concussion cast, Chris? Yes, I did. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, getting with us. Um, we're going to get on out of here and let Tune and the Real Law play us out. Have a, we hope you had a wonderful 2015. We hope 2016 goes even better for you. Keep on training. Keep on listening to the concussion cast, and we'll see you all back here January 3rd in the new year. You're listening to WHUPLP Hillsboro, 104.7 on the dial and on the web at whupfm.org.